Welcome back, everybody. We are here at the music store with a very interesting interview today, something a little bit out of the ordinary. We are going to be interviewing the very radio station that we are on, WBNJ. We have with us Mr. Bill Clanton, Jr. There are three William Clantons <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> associated with WBNJ in New Jersey, but he was kind enough to come in here and, uh, and have a discussion with us. And you may be asking, well, like, why are we talking about radio? And I guess my answer to that is, why not radio? Let's talk about radio. What can radio do that social media can't do? What can radio do that streaming doesn't do? Why is radio so cool? And why do old fogies like me still think it's cool <laughs> to play on the radio? I have to say, when we do our little intros all the time, we write little pieces, or depending on the topic or the interview we're doing, we'll write a little piece of music as a personal challenge. And I just get, I just get the biggest giggles when, when you hear it over the air, or like on terrestrial radio. It's very cool. Um, so I guess the first question is, why does anybody go out and start a radio station? Why the radio station? Let's start with that. Well, it's a really good question because, you know, oddly enough, it's a question that I was asked uh, by my own wife uh, recently as we're celebrating our 13th year on the air. Why? What, what was the purpose? Why did we do this? And I, I grew up in radio. I always had a passion for radio. Uh, I can remember as a kid pretending that I was playing radio station with an old cassette recorder and I would be introing songs and talking like a DJ and somewhere in a in a bucket of tapes somewhere is recordings of me at like eight and nine pretending to be a radio DJ. And now of course we fast forward to when I actually was choosing a career. Um I remember pounding my fist on the table telling my father I was not going to have a career in radio. I'm not going to be a radio DJ. And I'll I'll back up a little bit because I started you know, working for a radio station and, um, I just didn't want that to be my, my future career. That to me was just a job. When I started there at 16, working for a radio station, I was like, this isn't going to be my career. This is just a job until I get my career, which I wanted to be a music teacher. Oh, see, I was pumping gas at that time. So you ah. had a much cooler job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it happened because my dad ended up leaving his job of 23 years as an auto mechanic. And he ended up, uh, you know, befriending the general manager and owner of a radio station in Manahawken. And so he started working there. And I remember I said to the GM, all bold and everything, do you have any jobs that someone my age would do? And at the time, I, I think I was 15 at the time. And I didn't start until shortly after I was 16, though. And uh, he gave me the most important job at the whole radio station. I cut the grass. Cut the grass. <laughs> But but the, right. the joy of that was, and this is what I don't think that maybe the younger generation now may not have an appreciation for any vocation, whether it be radio or any other type of uh, industry, even in the music industry, is I had the pleasure of hanging out with the DJs while I was waiting for my dad to pick me up after I finished cutting the grass. So several DJs that I'm still friends with today took me under their wing and said, okay, Here's the mixing console. Here's how we record things. And back then, you know, we had we were still using CDs manually and mm -hmm. things called uh, carts in uh, yeah. radio. And they, for those who don't know, they look like, uh, like eight, eight tracks. tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah they look like, like eight, eight tracks. tracks. So we had carts, and I was learning all this stuff. But I had the the benefit of being there at the dawn of uh, digital audio editing. Um, so that's something we can get into uh, a little later on. But going back to your original question why radio for me 
it's always been a passion. But I also think about something too, like in this day and age, why do we need radio for information? We've got, you know, Facebook, Twitter, we've got TikTok, we've got all these Instagram, all these different social networks right at our fingertips. Why do we need a radio station? Radio was the original social network. Uh, there was something on TV last night and it had a, a, it was a flashback and there was a family sitting around, I think it was listening to a presidential uh, something from Roosevelt and like mm-hmm. the whole family was sitting around black and white, the radio. And I was like, trying to explain to my daughter, like at one point people would literally sit around their living rooms. They weren't on their tablets. We didn't have computers. We didn't have TV. They would yep. sit around and a, a social interaction was listening to the radio. When I was a kid, uh, I say kid now, but by perspective, when I was a teenager, soon to be young adult, I was hooked on a TV show that was on uh, AMC and it was called Remember W-E-N-N. And the whole TV show, it was this funny sitcom uh, and it was produced by the guy who did the Pina Colada song, uh, Rupert Holmes. He was one of the producers and did all the music for it. Um, but uh, the whole show was this cast that was the cast of a radio station, kind of like KRP in Cincinnati. Exactly yeah. what I was going to ask but you. But set in the 40s. Oh, set in the 40s. Okay. Yeah. So whereas KRP was set in the 70s. And, and it was it, yeah. in the 70s. I mean, it was yeah. very much a show of its time, right? Right. Exactly. So like going back and watching episodes of WENN, you saw them where they had to fill time. They had a real organist in the studio filling with music. Um, they had uh, the Foley artist uh, doing the, the sound effects and everything. And you had the actors that would walk in, step up to the microphone, stick their finger in their ear and talk about the latest weather. You know? yeah. So it was, and that I found such a fascination around. And it's like, here I was in an age where technology was really at its dawn. When I first started in radio, uh, the station I was working for was the first in the state of New Jersey to have automation. Mm. To And I'm not talking about the old school automation in the 80s where it took up half this room and it was like six cart machines that worked on a carousel and it was basically just pre-programmed input-output. It would just switch from one tape to the next. Not tape automation. We're talking an actual computer that would tell a series of six CD jukeboxes which CD and track to play when, and then another device that actually played digital content of our commercials. And this was 1994, I believe. This is why I love our interviews, because I think we're going to talk about something and then it goes in a different direction. So when I hear that, it immediately makes me think that once that is automated, then the decision-making of the DJ or the local programmer can now be subjected to a programming overlord. And did that then Mm -hmm. homogenize the music that was being played? What did that do to the art of radio when it went from like, I don't know, the DJ's feeling something, there's uh, some something in the air and he, oh no, I'm going to put this on. Or you know what, I'm going to, it's a new record. I'm going to play it three times and drive everybody crazy. (laughs) Did things change in the art of radio at that point? Yes, without a doubt. It totally changed. I can remember in my early years when I started as a, as a DJ, I moved from cutting the grass up to actually being a DJ. Um, and I can remember having a program director. Now, program director is your programming overlord, as you, as you said, of the radio station. They are responsible for the brand of the station. They are responsible for every record that gets played. And I still say record. Yeah. Uh, every song that gets played on the radio, um, they are in charge of organizing the talent. And I can remember... 
uh, being on the air. And it was around the time when uh, Falco passed away. You know, the, oh, the, the yeah. song uh, Rock Me yeah. Amadeus. I think he was in a car accident or something. And it was the day after that had happened. And I felt that I could play Rock Me Amadeus. Why not? So I, I pop it on. And within like 60 seconds of it hitting air, I have a program director at my door of the studio. If it's not on the list, you don't play it. And that's when I realized, mm. yes, things have changed. Now, the, the program directors themselves, they're using software, than they have been for years, since the 80s, um, software that actually chooses the songs for them. They're, they may pre-program it with a total amount of songs in each category, and then they can play with the flow and adjust the tempo and all that, but software to schedule the songs has been around for years. That just merged with now okay well we don't need the dj there so like in in 94 or 95 when i saw these computers being installed immediately within the same week of it going live our nighttime dj and overnight dj were fired wow how much of the drive to implement or automate was uh due to the uh rights reporting requirements in other words was there a job where there was somebody who was charting every song at the time of the day to report to bmi and ascap and then say hey look if we just put this in the machine we can like chop out a fifty thousand dollar a year salary or was that just a, a byproduct see, see a lot of that didn't it, it existed back then but that same software that is scheduling your songs has the ability to export so when ascap or bmi would say okay it's time to report back then I would say in the 80s, 90s, we didn't have to report every single song. It, they would take a segment of the music you play and then from that figure out the percentages. So the system was broken years ago. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But so what, what would happen is a program, program director would get a list of dates that they wanted samples from. So they might say, okay, we want two weeks of all the songs you played over this quarter just a two-week segment so then the software actually had the ability to extract extrapolate that and output a text file that was then sent to ascap or bmi that said all of these songs were played in this time period this is long before we have the tools we have today it's long before internet streaming mm -hmm. you know internet streaming for radio stations really did not get embraced until i would say the early 2000s 2004 three four five around that time period and when it first started we no one it was the wild wild west no one was licensing anything and everything was going out streaming and that's when i believe it was around 2005 that's when sound exchange right. started stepping in for performance rights and then as cap and bmi had to you know back paddle a little bit and say oh wait now we want retroactive licensing of everything you've ever streamed back to a certain date so the radio industry took a, a real, you know, kick. Yeah, uh, just a, let's, let's just take a, a side note. Maybe you can explain for for listeners. Um, I don't think most listeners don't understand that how artists and performers and and were were compensated for terrestrial radio, and then what Sound Exchange did for artists and performers. It's a different beast, right? And so maybe just do okay. a quick explanation so, on that. So ASCAP and BMI and CSAC. Uh, the, they're the big three. They are performance rights organizations or PROs, as we say in the industry. Um, so 
a PRO is responsible for giving the royalties to the song writer and the song producer, not necessarily the artist. So for instance, you look at, um, you know, songs that say, for instance, Neil Diamond wrote for the monkeys or Paul Anka wrote for Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra was the artist. Frank would not have gotten royalties on my way. Paul Anka would have because he wrote it. And that's what ASCAP and BMI did. But then SoundExchange comes in and says, well, what about the actual performance of that piece of music? How are we compensating the performer? So that's your situation where... Um, but that is only for streaming. That is not right now. It is only for streaming, and and we are hoping that it never comes to terrestrial radio. And the reason I say that, and this is one of those where people can you know talk to their congressman and and make their voice heard about how it will kill the radio industry. If radio suddenly had to start paying performance rights, that would be the biggest slap in face for what radio has done for artists for for at least a hundred years. So that's interesting. That's taking the other side of the argument where artists would be like, hey, you've been playing my music forever and I don't see a dang penny. Right. And then somebody like Bob Dylan, who's got a thousand songs covered, is just rolling in money. Right. And and the thing is, would you have known who Bob Dylan was? If had it not, well, had it chick- not been for radio, well, it's a chicken or the. I'm, I'm well, just taking. I'm not. Well, I'm not I, disagreeing I mean, you with yeah. you. I'm just taking the other side of the argument just to have the conversation. Nowadays, the, nowadays that argument is a good argument. Yeah, because nowadays we don't discover music on radio like we used to. We discover music whether we hear it in a social media post. We hear music on YouTube. Like YouTube is is like my go to to check out a new song. Or I, so honestly. Today's standards, yes, but if we look back, you know, going back to the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, you know, would the careers of Madonna, uh, Bruce Springsteen, would they have been the same if radio didn't exist? Or if playing their records was too expensive for the radio station? Right. I mean, and there's a whole other show that we could do about the fact that there were gatekeepers at the time that filtered out all the garbage and you had somebody talented like Springsteen and Madonna coming out versus now some of the garbage that has 40 million views on YouTube is like, Oh, I went whatever. viral. Yes. Yeah, so uh, now I sound like a grumpy old man, but anyway, that's but a whole different conversation. What does that actually mean going yeah. viral anyway? You know, <laughs> like don't. monetarily, what does that mean? I'm yeah. old enough that like yeah. going viral, like scares me. He's like, I got to go to the doctor, get a shot in the butt. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to go viral. Yeah, we're, we're out of the pandemic. Yeah. No we viral. don't want to talk about going viral. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, so that's a good leading. So now there's the, the history of, of radio and how it worked and, you know, give, gave us a little background. So that leads into where's radio going? Where does radio fit with this social media mm-hmm. s- streaming component, media on demand, and things like Sirius XM, Pandora, iHeartRadio, where it's different. Now, the one thing about Sirius, which is interesting, though, is there are still DJs there. Yes, there are. And the thing about Pandora that most people don't know is when Pandora started, they, and to this day, still have musicologists on staff Mm -hmm. that curate and filter through the music. Yeah. So even on a certain artist you may like, and it's a very well-known artist, you're not going to get at least before Pandora went on demand, but the stream version of Pandora, it was, you wouldn't, you would just get the stuff that was past the mustard test, right? Right. Which goes back to what you're saying about radio breaking, Springsteen and all that. How does radio fit? I, I'm not convinced. I wouldn't be doing the show if I didn't think that radio's got 
a next life. It's got a next step that it requires people like yourself to think mm-hmm. outside the box. So radio radio has a huge advantage. And I think anybody who's in the radio industry who is not capitalizing on this advantage is d- doomed to fail. And I go back to, you know, I worked for a major radio conglomerate for 24 years before I set out on my own to go into digital marketing and running my own radio station. Two things that, yes, by today's standards would seem like opposites in the spectrum, but we're in the content business. And there's a, a term on the internet called content is king. If you want your product or service to be recognized on the internet, you have to have content. If you want your brand known, if you like, so whether it's social media or the radio, you still have to get the word out. The word about your, you, who you are, your brand, your voice, your music, your product, you still have to get the word out. So for radio, we've been in the content business for close to uh, almost 100 years. We as an industry are the content generators that if, if there's a radio company out there that's not providing podcasting services, not providing streaming services, you know, I, I said this about 10 years ago when I was working for a big radio conglomerate and streaming was, was questioned. Like, why do we need to be on computers? Why do people need to hear us on the computer when they've got us on their car radio? They've got us in their radios in their house. Why do we have to spend all this money to add all this? And I said, just because it's streaming, does it stop being radio? Just because the towers are not being used. Yes, we're spending millions of dollars on towers, antennas, transmitters, and big electric bills. But does it stop being radio because the listener at the other end of the microphone listens to it on their phone, their Echo, their Google Home, their car radio that now has Wi-Fi enabled, um, or serious, does it stop being radio? And I can remember at the time being looked at like I was crazy. Well, it's a totally different medium. Yeah, of course, it's not radio. It's, it's a computer. No, it's still the same content. And, I, and we now have the greatest advantage over any new digital startup is that we've been in this content business since the beginning. We should be professionals at putting this content out. We produce content 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Do you think some of the some of the older school people that gave you pushback for that sort of contributed to maybe radio not leading the charge more if, ten years ago? I think so. Yeah, there. It's kind of like, and I'm, I'm not getting political with this comment, but you know, silver-haired men sitting behind desks running a country mm-hmm. that ask a lot of silly technical questions of a social media company CEO. It's kind of that same mentality was in the radio industry. And I think it explains a lot. Radio could have been uh, moving ahead faster, I think, if we spent more time focusing on the internet and, and not some other areas. And I'm sure there are people who know me in the industry that are like, oh, he didn't go there. Yeah, if radio would have spent less time worrying about things like HD radio and focus more on embracing internet as a distribution point, we would be leaps and bounds ahead of where we are. That's been my argument for years. but. At the time, I worked for a big conglomerate that was like the leading the charge for HD radio. 
Mm-hmm. And so I had to know when to bite my tongue. And I've had those situations. But to the, to the whole point of what you're trying to say here is radio has the local advantage too. Yes, the Congress lifted certain rules against, um, FCC li- lifted certain rules against, it used to be you had to have a studio in your city of license mm-hmm. and you couldn't, your corporation, uh, like you couldn't have a corporate headquarters in Florida and have a studio in, in New Jersey and run everything from Florida. Mm-hmm. That used to be, but they removed that rule. Oh, really? Yeah. So now a lot of those rules that prevented big companies like iHeart, Amos, you know, and I'm not sure what companies are still around. Um, I won't mention any of the big companies that are local to this area that, that mm-hmm. uh, I used to work for. But the point is that these companies can just put one studio and one person programming all the music and voice track everything and run 20 radio stations out of one building. And that building can be in Houston, Texas, and not even, and those DJs never step foot in New Jersey. Yeah, I, that just sits wrong. It, it is. It just sits, I mean, just in the gut, it's kind of, it goes against, you know, music, goes against art and music as protest, as thought provoking, as leading a charge. Microphone goes- on the street corner. That's what radio was, and that's what radio can still be. And I think that's where our biggest asset is in the case of stations like where we are right now on wbnj we are a local station our studios are in barnegat our license we are a a 4500 watt station licensed by the fcc to barnegat new jersey our studios are in barnegat there's also rules that the ownership of the station um had to live at least two thirds of the ownership and management of the station had to live within um, fifty or no twenty five miles of the city of license. A lot of those rules for commercial radio stations were removed. Now I can tell you right now that all of our staff, with the exception of one person who sends in programs from Savannah, Georgia, who used to live in Barnegat, but he sends in programs from Savannah, Georgia, all. Almost everybody involved with WBNJ is local. And that is the great asset that we have is we are local. You're not going to get local from the other big stations that are being programmed from one central point pushed out. You're not going to get local from a Pandora. You're not going to get local from a a Sirius Satellite Radio. I'm just, you know, calling it what it is. You're not going to get a news report about, you know, the Southern Regional Golf Team on your satellite radio. And that leads into this question. Our show mm-hmm. is on Sunday nights at 6 p.m. on WBNJ 91.9 Barnegat, New Jersey. It's the old original model of radio where when that show airs and it comes out of the, the tower, it's it's here, it's gone. So at, at one point in time within local community, that worked, and but it required people to listen at a certain time. So let's say we had the local fire department gave the update on you know whatever happened that week, and the police department you had to listen at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, because of streaming, the integration with streaming, I broadcast my show on, or you broadcast my show Sundays at six o'clock, right, on WBNJ Barnegat, New Jersey. <laughs> In case anybody missed it, <laughs> yeah. Sundays uh, at six p.m. Yes, uh, but however, we are also streamed, and Correct. we are available through all the po- major podcasts. Networks, 
Apple, Spotify. Right, and available so, at WBNJ.org uh, yeah, yeah, and on your smart speakers uh, yeah. and devices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now that model is broken to to the point where, okay, I'm thinking we're scrappy radio station. It's it's community. We're servicing the community. We have that component. Mm-hmm. But we also have the freedom to do things that are a little different, a little edgy. But we now we have global distribution. Mm-hmm. Now we have global distribution through the podcast networks themselves. But now there's also apps that integrate radio stations. So a little yeah. quick story. My wife and I and my family in the fall, we were sailing in, in the Caribbean, small sailboat. There's a captain. And he's like, oh, my, you know, my friend uh, from Tortola has got a radio show. And he pulled up like Global FM, I think it was. And, mm-hmm. he, and even though we were 30 miles from the tower on the ocean where radio hit, <laughs> he was listening over an app, right? So now we are not time restricted. So is how then does community go global? Now, the good thing about the podcast is you can time it, right? So now your community missed, oh, I didn't miss the show. At, I missed the show at six o'clock. I'll listen on the podcast or the replay at nine o'clock. No problem. So that's, that's great for community. But now you have global reach. So at what point are you no longer a community radio station but you're more like a community content that's created within the community but with a global reach how do you how do these things balance well we have a lot of listeners that actually like to kind of get a taste of the jersey shore you know you you think of this is this area not necessarily you know you may not think of barnegat as being this big mecca for people coming but actually this whole region is where people from all over the world come to vacation so we have several listeners that are outside of, well, outside of our listening area that tune in regularly and send us letters that they love the programming and, or they might say, I used to live in Barnegat I, and I listen all the time. I actually had um, Harry Connick Jr.'s cousin who lives in the Florida Keys send us a letter a few years back that said, I'm so glad to hear you playing my cousin's music on your radio station. We listen all the time from the Florida Keys. So we have this kind of, you know, yeah, we're, we're hyper-local. Yeah, we can be hyper-local, but we also have people that just love that hyper-localness. The, the, you know, the DJs that talk, we have a lot of, um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The, those that, uh, they spend half the year in Florida and half the year in Jersey. Um, the weather guy comes to mind. The guy who does the weather before our show, sort of, where is he from? Um, I, I think he's actually from uh, somewhere in Monmouth. Yeah, he's- Oh, uh, yeah. forget it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, snowbirds, that's the yeah, word I'm looking yeah. for, snowbirds. Um, that, you know, they're, they're going to the villages in Florida uh, and they take BNJ with them. So, right. And that's right. the advantage- if, so people come into our area, they hear the station, and they're like, oh, by the way, you can take us with you when you leave. So we have that. But as far going back to what you're saying, what do we do for the global audience versus the local? I think the global audience understands that it's local, and they like that. See, there you go. Right. So if you were to change the format or the approach of the station mm-hmm. to appeal the global audience, then you get all the crappy commercial radio that exists to this day. We would day. be back in <laughs> the same crap as, radio. Yeah, can exactly. I say crap? I'm sorry. I just no, know. you can say that. Yeah, you, you can, it's okay. okay. Let me check with the good one. Yeah, yeah, you're good. All right. No, but uh, that, but that is it. You know, because you know anybody can just put on a, an, an automated jukebox. Anybody can go to a jukebox. It's no different than in the 1950s. You throw a couple dimes in or nickels. You know. Right. Um, and you know, I think now a nickel, I remember when a song was a dollar, I don't know what a jukebox costs anymore, if they exist anymore, but anybody can be a jukebox. Anybody can put on a playlist of songs. 
It's the commentary in between. It's the localism. It's the DJ sharing information about that artist. It's the anecdotes. It's the commentary. That's what I think people are missing when you go to a network. That's what, why do you think Sirius XM has DJs? If all people wanted was a jukebox, then they didn't need to hire all these DJs. I actually have friends of mine that have worked in the terrestrial radio world that are now DJs working for Sirius and they're on FM. They're, they're moonlighting, we'll say. Yes, yeah, well, especially when you're within a genre, right? So like I'll listen to, for instance, like the Outlaw Country on Sirius XM. Yeah, it's a good one. And it's the, the, the DJs really set the tone for what that music is. It just in their stories or what concerts they're going to. And so for the the terrestrial broadcast, we've, we're getting close to the end, but mm-hmm. we're going to keep talking. Uh, that will be included in the podcast. So now let's yeah. now let's maybe talk about that, how, <laughs> how the technology can augment. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. So we're going to keep we're going to keep the conversation going. In my mind now, I think about everything that you said. Mm-hmm. And how do you keep that local flair going? And I think it's exciting that people would. Be attracted to that, and new, and we're New Jersey, right? If there are some states that are uniquely identifiable, and yeah, I think Jersey's certain, one. certainly characteristic, like people from Jersey, yeah, 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 yeah. What's it to you? Yeah, what's it to you? <laughs> and then we got the pork roll versus the Taylor ham, the pork roll versus the Taylor. Ham. I, do people say that about South Dakota? Maybe not. No, eh, no. Yeah, no. Montana, Wyoming, nice. yeah, Wyoming. Yeah. Eh, you know. So, do you then encourage more New Jersey? oriented things right and it and and where does it go from being barnegat to ocean county to all of new jersey where's the limit on that that circle that circumference of coverage right Mm -hmm. and then it leads into why are there no shows where it's like it's the jersey band show and we're covering all new original music being put out by teenagers and kids and adults in our state new jersey we have great music here we have great artistry in new jersey mm-hmm. don't let anybody tell you otherwise and honestly let's say it's really the philly new york jersey metro yeah. area new jersey sits in the middle between philly and new york but there's a ton of culture here right why is community radio or local radio not doing more of that or am i being ignorant and it does do that and i just don't know about it well i know of one radio station in particular um and as soon as i mentioned the name of the show everyone because uh, I know that there, we actually have, uh, remarkably enough, we have a lot of crossover audience. So if I mention a program named Jersey Rock, oh, right. and I, you know, I'm, I know the host of the show, and um, it, the show has taken on several different hosts over the past uh, 15 years on this particular radio station, and they do it. They focus on local musicians. Here's the thing, though. It's one show. Now... And and that's great. So it, it's one station, one show. On BNJ, a lot of people may not know this, but we have several local artists that we play in regular rotation. But I'll go back to the, uh, the first question you asked. Why is radio not doing that? Because it comes down to pretty much the pre-programming of everything and record labels. You know, so if you're not assigned... I, I can remember... When I first recorded a few songs trying to get radio stations to play my music and the, it was always, well, you're not signed. Well, you're not signed. Well, what does that matter? My music is still good. Even though I don't have a big corporate entity behind my music, it's still a good song. No, you're not signed. We won't play you. And I think that's where the radio industry kind of broke 
the whole model of where it was in the in the 60s. You think about the 60s and you had guys singing on a street corner that, you know, got together enough money to walk into a studio and record a demo. That demo was played on the radio. And then next thing you know, they've got record deals. Now, we won't even get into the royalties on those record deals and how a lot of them really got the raw end of the stick. But as far as local goes, we've, we love to support local musicians. I wish more local musicians would send us recordings and demos. I mean, you're, you're like a unicorn, though. I, I Just hearing that is, mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Yeah. So, for instance, those who listen to the station, we have... Um, we actually play their version of Smooth Operator, a group called Yvonne and Jack. Um, now, it, it just so happened that I worked with Yvonne's husband uh, in my previous uh, career, uh, and he was a well-known radio personality in the area, and he gave me her CD and said, hey, check this out. Yeah, but if it stunk, you wouldn't have played it. Right. If it stunk, I wouldn't have played it. There's a guy, uh, there's a, a duet we play on the station, and everybody swears that it is Frank Sinatra and Barbara Streisand. And it's not. It's actually a local singer by the name of David Sedano and um, a woman he was singing with. Her name is Michelle Rico. They're New Jersey people. They're Jersey people. Dave gave me that CD uh, 13 years ago and said, hey, what do you think of these recordings I did with my friend Michelle? And Dave was a Sinatra impersonator and he would go around. He was known for playing around in the area um, on LBI and stuff. And he said, here, check this out. So I played the recording and people love that song. It got so popular here again, going back to radio, mm-hmm. bringing focus on a local musician. I got so many requests of people wanting that song that he had to go and release it on iTunes because wow, of the demand here on yeah. the radio, because everybody thought, oh, what's that Sinatra and Streisand song you're playing? And it's not. But that's a, a situation where those are. Two examples of local musicians we play. Uh, the other day, uh, we I was spinning a track from Joey D's Rock and Oldies band, which there our listeners of the station know Joey D's Rock and Oldies. They released an album last year, and because they weren't playing out during the pandemic, so they went and recorded a CD that they're now selling when they're playing their shows. They're one of the area's you know most sought after oldies bands. They wrote an original song called uh, "Take It Home," and we play it on WBNJ. What do you wish you had or foresee coming down the pike for WBNJ? And by that, I mean, is there something that you, content that you can imagine or some type of show, type of music, access to something that you're saying to yourself, man, I just really wish somebody was banging on my door with an idea to do X. Yes. So what is, what's the, what is, what's the cutting edge? What well, is the, the, the crazy idea? What is the next thing? Well, the, the toughest thing is to narrow it down to just one. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's just, you know how my, you know, yeah. we're very much alike. My brain goes a mile a minute in 20 different directions at any given time. Um, one is uh, I definitely want to bring attention to genres of music that are underserved by um, normal local terrestrial radio. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, like there's a whole genre of music called electro swing. You know, so we're actually diving into um, developing programs around electro swing groups like Postmodern Jukebox, where they've got that retro throwback sound, but they're playing modern tune. Um, that's one th- that that's cutting edge. Uh, we're actually working on a project called Variant Vibes, which we'll talk about in another show. 
because it's, it's super cutting edge technology-wise. But for, first and foremost, I want to see the content that we're generating at BNJ be reaching a wider audience and not just through WBNJ, but actually syndicating our content, uh, which we are working on on that actually behind the scenes with one show in particular. Uh, I actually, just before we started recording the show, I had a, a short meeting with one of the hosts of our Riptide Rollers automotive talk show. Mm-hmm. And we are discussing the next steps to take that nationwide. Produced well, that, here locally. You, yeah, that's great. And that's sort of what Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me was, right? Weren't they out of Chicago? Oh, no, uh, you're thinking of Car Talk. Uh, well, Car Talk was Massachusetts. Right, uh, WBGO Boston. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, yeah, car, but yeah, exactly. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Was Chicago. Um, it, it, Chicago. Yeah. And they're produced and they're distributed through NPR. Um, car Talk with Click and Clack. Yep. Um, one of them you know, one passed. Pa- one passed, and then they don't have the show anymore. Is they actually got into a, a bit of trouble over something that I think could definitely come back to bite radio. So as we're trying all these new things, they got in a little trouble uh, over um, transparency. If something is a recorded piece of content, you have to tell the audience that portions of this broadcast were pre-recorded. Or some portions of this broadcast were edited for air, you know, whatever. Portion of this broadcast were pre-recorded and edited. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, that's one thing is where not only looking at taking the BNJ stream uh, worldwide even further and provide more channels of content, because um, BNJ itself, the concept for BNJ, I got from two different things. One was I used to listen to a station that was WRDR in Egg Harbor City. And they were on 104.9 in Egg Harbor City. It's changed ownership numerous times, changed format numerous times since then. But their their moniker was Unforgettable Favorites. And I used to listen to them all the time in my teen years. They played everything from Sinatra to the Beatles with some Carpenters and Harry Connick Jr. mixed in there. Um, They had a great sound. Uh, Another one was um, uh, W... I'm drawing a blank on um, ah, it. It'll come to me. Station in uh, Long Island, New York is 1100 AM in Long Island. Same deal. They had a similar format and I, I really liked the format. And I said, well, what if somebody took that format and then mashed it together with a good feeling oldies positive format? And, and I said, well, and then I thought of the line from uh, Miracle on 34th street. When, um, Santa Claus is asked about Christmas and, you know, Christmas is still Christmas. And he's, oh, Christmas isn't just a day. It's a frame of mind. So I said, well, what if we took that same concept to radio? And we say, well, it's not about a genre. It's not about a format. It's not about a decade. It's a frame of mind. Is it music that's going to make you happy? Is it music that's going to, you know, just make you feel better that you've tuned in in the first place? And that's our philosophy. Do you worry that? When you focus on the oldies, that you're you're going with an older demographic that is decreasing over time, not increasing. Is there an issue with that? There is to an extent. Um, that that actually is a topic of discussion that not a month goes by without us saying, "Hmm, gee, do we evolve with the audience?" And we did an experiment with that for about six months. We flipped our format to uh drop everything older than 1964 and we dropped all standards 
So there was no Sinatra on the station, no Dean Martin. All the standards were gone. We focused on 64 all the way up to 81. It was a kick in format. I mean, it was rocking. We were playing great stuff, early Michael Jackson stuff in the mix, uh, disco tunes mixed in there, um, and then really heavily focusing on that, you know, Woodstock rock and, and all. And it was just a powerful format. But the amount of feedback that we got about that change, I could not ignore. And it wasn't positive. We did get positive feedback. But the amount of negative feedback that we got from that, I could not turn a blind eye to, which then leads to, I'll get back to your first question I mean, about the whole other show. Yeah, about exactly. Whether or not you should listen to that or not. And uh, yeah. So, so the, I pretty much made the executive decision that we were going to go back to our original roots of what made the station popular in the first place. So how about this as an idea? Mm-hmm. What if, okay, so, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease. So, like, you know, you some people were adamant about not being happy about it. But what about, like, shows like ours or these other new formats? You start sneaking in programs within times yep. where most of those listeners are going to listen online anyway. And you can kind of keep both sides of the camp happy. Mm-hmm. But then start to migrate and... And also in doing so, is there, you're then expanding to, again, the global audience. And is there, and then it begs the question, what are the, what's the advantage then to, to the station as a, an ent- as a con- going on concern to mm-hmm. being spread out to different areas and different types of music and, and that sort of thing? Well, th- that's a perfect question. So early in our, our discussion, I made some negative comments about HD radio. I'm not against HD radio. I think that too much focus was put on HD radio when more focus should have been put on internet, but I'm not against it. So one of the things that we are doing, and I can see it happening within perhaps the next 12 months, the station going to HD broadcast. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, how does, how does that tie with what we were just saying? HD broadcasting gives us the ability to broadcast multiple channels on one FM frequency. So somebody with an HD radio could go to WBNJ Channel 2, still at 91.9 FM, but be able to go to Channel 2. And Channel 2 could be that rocking 60 to 81 format oh. as opposed to, and not mess with the original, like, don't break, ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave Channel 1 the way it is, and then develop, I could develop an all doo-wop channel if I wanted to. I could develop an all talk channel where all of our talk programs play all day long. That's and and how many channels can be? I believe current interle- HD technology you can have more than three, but I think the the current technology at its infancy is three if we go with the older tech. But what's emerging now, you can start to see stations up to five and six channels on one frequency that's fantastic so then each of those channels were broadcasting on fm multi-channel but and, then we yeah. can make individual streams available worldwide and your 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 fcc license covers that because yeah. well, you're still technically thing. on the same frequency right because the license has nothing to do with programming a lot of people have a uh, you know that's a misunderstanding because like i remember uh, early on People said, oh, wow, the FCC is allowing you to put that on the air. And well, the FCC doesn't dictate my programming. The FCC only has a small amount of rules that we have to abide by. One, 
our transmitter has to broadcast on the right frequency at the right power. Right. Okay. Second, we can't use any profanity. Seven words. What? Beep, burp, 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 burp. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No profanity. Uh, and then as far as being a nonprofit radio station, we have uh, three other rules that we have to abide by. One, we cannot do a call to action for a commercial business. Right. We can tell you about them, who, what, when, where, but I cannot say go buy their product. You can't say go to Waterview Music in Barnegat, New Jersey, right. for instance, and you are not right. allowed I, to I, say- I'm not allowed to say that. They have a special on guitars, which we don't. Right. Exactly. Uh, okay. okay. And then I can But you can say this show is- Brought pretty, to you by, or, or supported, supported by- spo- yeah. Sponsored? Sponsored by, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Underwriting. So we can say that. Anything, matter of fact, we can even say, you know, um, but- we can say a slogan, if the, but we can't say they have the best smelling guitars. You know, <laughs> we can't do any, any comparative language. Nothing comparative. Oh, you know, nothing so comparative. In, in, in the advertising. Agreed. The most amazing. Right. The most amazing. Unbelievable. You know, exactly. They have a wide selection. Uh, even things like that is gray area to even say they have a wide selection. Right. But we let, you know, that's gray Are you allowed area. to say, because we haven't done this, but I thought about like, go to from the musicstore.com to find out more. And you, then are you allowed to say, which we're not saying, but are, would you be allowed to say, and what, like we have t-shirts now. Like, so I got t-shirts so I can give like hosts and guest t-shirts. Like, is that a call? Like that is a call to action. It, so it is technically a call to action, um, but you could always, it's all semantics, you know? Yeah. For more information about where you can get our t-shirts. Right. You see? Yeah. Um, but then, and then the third rule that is critical for nonprofit radio stations, and this is a big one. This is the biggest one that I've had people kind of get in my face about, why aren't you talking about this on the air? Or why aren't you promoting mm. my political party? Because oh. we are not allowed as a nonprofit radio station, and that's for any radio station that is 91.9 and lower on the dial. Who has a dial anymore? Yeah. But basically it's 88.1 all the way up to 91.9 on your FM dial cannot do political advertising or any political So wait, party. you're actually at the top end of the frequency within this, that Yeah, role? we are the last, you're the last frequency spot. before it switches to the commercial band. So you're not allowed to talk to politics, which is great. You know what? I'm actually going to have a sign made for the store here that says, no plane, politics, or stairway to heaven. Right, exactly. It works. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We, we don't talk about religion, politics, or stairway to heaven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though it may be yeah. the greatest song in the world. The greatest guitar solo ever. Yes. Um, yeah. I was thinking Tenacious D, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The greatest yeah. song in the world, you know. But see, pick a see, destiny. again, like, I find that wonderful. I mean, I look, I, I have my own political leanings, and I go to certain outlets to get that. Right. But... Well, in particular, let's talk about music. This show's got to go for three hours. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the, so in within music, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's no politics here. This no. is like, we're, we're there. Th- there's some, in this day and age, there are, f- seems to be fewer and fewer things that people have in common, but one of them is music. It's rhythm. Right. It's the energy that you get out of performing a real, actual acoustic instrument where the strings are vibrating in the air. Mm-hmm. It's it's a thing that, that combines us. Right. So- in my view, politics does not belong there. No, at all. No. Politics and music, artists and politi- politics shouldn't get together, you know. Well, well, there's a strong history of mm-hmm. music. Protest songs. Protest Absolutely. songs. Yeah. In fact, one of our episodes, Newsbits number one, we talked about the Ukrainian war propaganda songs that, mm-hmm. that are out there. So yeah. there's definitely a place for it, but within, in terms of enrichment and education, I just don't think it belongs there. But, and not certainly not in my business. 
fortunately for you, you're not allowed to. You know what's great about that too? Is it, I can imagine that shuts down a lot of awkward conversations. It does. Where like, if you were like, you could do it, but you'd be like, yeah, you know, we're not really allowed to say that. Cause like this guy's like wacko. And, and, and that it's tough for us sometimes as a nonprofit, when we're faced with those situations where either we can't give, cause you know what? Political advertising is good money. That's when good I money. worked in commercial radio, political advertising was great money. Come, you know, pretty much it would be September. Those ads would start coming in, you know, paid for by the people of blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know, those ads would be great money for commercial radio, but nonprofit radio cannot benefit. So, you know, we're forced to just, you know, take underwriting and, and support from listeners. Um, but I think, though, because we're not focusing on the mainstream topics it frees us up to be that local voice to hear local musicians you know so i'll say it again any local musicians in new jersey you know the entire state of new jersey that have a demo of something that you know and and i'm not worried about genre because if i got enough response for different recordings i would have no problem putting a local music, locally produced music show on on the station. Now, I don't want to step on the toes of my friends over at Jersey Rock, but I it, well, would, it would be great. I mean, to say that one show for New Jersey based or New York and Philly based is like, oh, it's I mean, dude. And I know you're not saying this, but as like a musician and artist, like I'm kind of like, oh, like you're really, like, you're really like one, like okay, we only get one show, but they focus God, on one yeah. genre. I would actually open it up to if there was a jazz artist who wanted to uh, let me hear their stuff. Uh, if there was an oldies, a folk singer yep. that had a recording and they want to get it on the radio, I would love to produce a locally produced music program. I've had local artists on the station before. I remember um, there was a group called. Um, uh, I'm merging a couple different, uh, the roustabouts, that's it. The Jersey roustabouts. And they are an oldies band, you know, lead singer kind of looks like Elvis, mm -hmm. you know, um, at Carlos. And, um, they came into the studio a few years back and we actually had them play live in the studio. That's great. And it was, it, we had such a blast. So I, that type of thing is what's going to change radio because you're not getting that. The local guy is going to have to go through too many hoops to get on radio. And why try to get on radio? Well, why not? Right. Interaction for radio and live. In mm -hmm. other words, the, the, the classic radio call-in, right? right? So online media and streaming, at least in terms of like the at-home bedroom content creator, it is, it's the technology you know, between the audio and video companies that are making the tools is starting to expand where that's becoming more and more realistic right? to do that. Uh, but radio, like you said, radio sort of invented that. Right. Um, is, there, is there a place in your mind where that becomes or is enhanced as more of the experience of what you guys are doing? And if you do that, does it make that real-time listening of radio more relevant? In other words, can we reinvigorate the technological history of real-time radio by changing or in the content or including in the content live interactions with the people in the community that it's servicing? Well, live, live interactions always have a whole you know, uh, energy to them. When we do our live request shows, for example, um, most of the time, uh, for instance, our, our um, Memories and Music show, 
uh, it's usually pre-recorded. Like, so there's our disclaimer. Yeah, it's, it's usually pre-recorded. Um, and, but uh, every quarter we pick one Friday night where we do the show live. And it is such an awesome thing where people are calling in and our phones pretty much for two hours straight don't stop because they don't usually get to talk to the DJ. And this, they're getting the opportunity to actually call in, not only get their song played, but talk to the DJ, ask questions. So I think that that is the pretty much still a value for broadcast radio. And people still will schedule to tune in to things. And that's all the more reason that if radio were was more live, whereas a lot of radio stations are voice tracking now. So they've trained the audience that it's not live. They've trained the audience already that you don't have to listen. Just tune in whenever you want. Right. Whereas now with BNJ, like for instance- With well, the exception uh, of sport, I don't mean to interrupt, but I well, would sporting, imagine- Sporting events, yeah. yeah. Obviously, sports if it's something that's happening live, that's, that's no, a totally- No, I mean, sports yeah. talk, talk radio, sports talk radio is- A lot of times they are live, yeah, yeah. You know, some of that might be pre-recorded. You don't know. Listen for the disclaimer. Uh, you know? <laughs> but I, I think, though, when you mention, you know, pretty much the, the bedroom podcasters, I am flattered because anybody, you know, what do they say? Imitation, you know, is the highest form of flattery, you know. So I see those who are the bedroom podcasters be the people who probably used to have a passion for talk radio, used to have a passion for radio. And what are they doing? They're imitating us in radio. They're imitating what we've been doing, you know, since the first radio station was invented. They're creating content using a microphone and talking to the public. So, so it's like, I can, I can look back and say, yes, I was a radio professional. I am a radio professional. It's been my career uh, for, this is my 30th year in radio. But the thing is, anybody nowadays can just pick up their phone Download, like, like, you know, I'm not necessarily endorsing any one network, but uh, I use the Spreaker network for some of my podcasting. They have an app you put on your phone. You sign into your account. You hit the record button. You're live to the world. Right. Yeah. And not only is it live to the world, you can then hit stop. And as soon as you hit stop, anybody who missed your program can now go back and listen to it as a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely at like an awesome time for content creation. Yes. Uh, which uh, again, a whole other show, but <laughs> leading to an avalanche of of material. I think I heard the stats on how much stuff gets uploaded to Spotify every day, and YouTube is un. It's like a lifetime's a human lifetime a, a day in, at YouTube. It's unbelievable. We're gonna wrap it up right now, and we'll get two episodes. So this will mm -hmm. be airing two Sundays in a row. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you can go to fromthemusicstore.com and get the full podcast. We have a contact form on our website. Anybody who has wants to chime in and say something, either in <laughs> in support <laughs> of uh, radio or or against it, uh, send us a note. We'd be really curious to hear what you have to say. I want to look. We're gonna have to have you back on on many many shows as uh, anytime as sort of like an auxiliary host. Uh, one of the things I want to get into is discussions with um, some music attorneys and talk about license rights and how that can, I think, be a hamper to creativity mm -hmm. and how that the community radio uh, entity as defined legally um, can help support maybe creative, creative works that otherwise wouldn't get done by, excuse me, by the bedroom podcaster. They do have certain limitations that they are unaware of. 
So we, I think that's a different show. We're definitely going to talk about it. And I'm absolutely hands down going to have to have you back. But everybody, thank you so much. This is from the music store on WB. You do. It's your station. (laughs) (laughs) From the music store on 91.9 WBNJ. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.